Hey, folks, I'm Tom. Keith Jones here. Big thank you to the Dunlap Champions Club, longtime sponsors of Front Row Knowles. Football season is here, folks. If nothing else, do yourself a favor. Call 644-1830. Schedule a tour of the Champions Club if you haven't been in it yet. Or better yet, purchase a ticket to one game and sample it. Find somebody who's got a member. I don't think you can buy just one game ticket. Find somebody who has has a Champions Club ticket and go with them. Check it out. Once you do, you'll be hooked. It is a great place to watch a ball game, get the opportunity to get up, get out of. If there's any heat, if there's any weather whatsoever, you can go inside. Multiple TVs, food and drink. It's a wonderful wonderful place to catch an fsu football game air conditioning air conditioning too that's important reserve chair back seats uh, you can do a three-game package for uh, 6.99 uh, plus a booster membership of 70 dollars or more if you include the miami game in that but just call the number 644-1830 they'll tell you what options are available and you can go from there at this point you've got no other option than to listen to the rest of this program here's front row Knowles broadcasting from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row Knowles first look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom and KJ with you as we get started on Front Row Knowles First Look. And we'll be here for the full hour. Although, honestly, Keith, I think we can sort of summarize this pretty succinctly right at the top. And that is... We knew it was going to take a perfect game from Florida State to beat what is a better team, and uh, we didn't get a perfect game, and the better team clearly showed, uh, and it was Clemson. Uh, There was never any doubt in the contest, particularly after the first uh, couple of offensive plays. You you just kind of feel it, 80,500 and uh, Death Valley, uh, they were there to see Clemson perform and to win, and uh, they did just that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was kind of uh, pedestrian, uh, but Etienne had a very good game. But more important than those two stars on the offensive side, you just had a feel, uh, offensively, defensively, even special teams, that this Clemson squad uh, was, uh, you know, they were looking back from the standpoint that they had not performed well against North Carolina. Uh, and that one-point victory two weeks ago, they'd had an entire week off. Uh, to contemplate that and you could see the the maturity of the Clemson team you could see the continuity of their uh, coaching staff and how they got the kids ready to play Uh, and they came out and they took it to Florida State uh, from the very beginning uh, on both sides of the ball and uh, I think that's a testament to how good Clemson is and we need to give them props uh, and it is also uh, a referendum, a continuing referendum, that Florida State has work ahead. Uh, the good news is, unlike last year, uh, in your home stadium, where your team basically quit, uh, Florida State continued to give effort. Um, they were just outmatched. And candidly, they were outcoached. And as a result, you know, you go down 42-14. But, you know, there's nothing to hang your head about. There's nothing to, to be distraught over. You kind of knew this would happen if you didn't play a perfect game. You, as you mentioned, you didn't play a perfect game, and therefore you got your fannies whipped. And uh, it was a it was a good-fashioned, uh, what do they say, out to the shed and bring out a stick and all kinds of other things. It was a butt whipping. Dabo seemed intent. Just all week he was tired of the media rhetoric, talking about Trevor Lawrence being hurt. I think he was tired of listening to two weeks of how they got lucky to beat North Carolina or 
maybe it was just all psychological ploy, but he played every angle he had. And then the first play of the game, this was not we're going to run ETN and get five or six yards or run a short pass. No, we're going deep and we're going for the jugular right from the get-go. He was sending a message to his team. That followed by a trick play, and, and they're in the red zone. And I, and I think you're precisely correct. He was He was communicating to his team as to, A, uh, we're better than we showed against North Carolina. We did not play a good ball game. And while the media may say we were lucky to win or, you know, questioning Mac Brown's decision to, to go for two instead of kick the extra point and maybe take it to overtime, he was sending a message to his team that I still believe in you and we still can do some fireworks-related things. And they did exactly that. Uh, additionally, he was sending a message to the to the folks that were in the stands, and and I guess a number of people that possibly watching on TV that this is not a Clemson team that's going to move backwards or a Clemson team that's going to be like they were five or seven or nine years ago early in Dabo's career. Uh, this is a team that's got maturity about them, and this team, I'm not going to let my team have another performance like they had against UNC. We're going to go out and we're going to show the world how we play, and they did exactly that. You know, it's football is a game of, a number of plays and you got to win the battle each play and so florida state again when when the final score is what it is it seems uh in some respects silly to go back and look at one or two plays but let's just look at that first drive including the first play of the game it was great throw and catch db wasn't too far off uh but then even at the end of that drive clemson again plays aggressive it's fourth and goal at the three there's no kicking for a field goal uh we're going for the end zone they convert and by the way they run a shovel pass that, that takes advantage to some degree of the fact that Janaris Robinson is out for the first half, and maybe he doesn't make that play. It was a, it was a well-called play. But, but the point being, if Florida State could get a stop there, maybe it changes things just a little bit. Maybe it only delays the inevitable, but either way, Clemson just uh, went for it. Well, you and, and as we talk during this hour, we'll, we'll bring up a couple of other plays that could have been potentially significant you know i go back to the first play as you mentioned for the ball game you know the defensive back was in 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 position samuels was in position Uh, that's just a that's an all-american receiver you know that that's uh that's a kid that's going to be playing on sundays that's a kid that's if he's not a first round pick he's definitely a second round pick and and clemson's got those types of kids all over uh, the shuttle pass that they used is a play they've not shown much based on what I've seen of Clemson. So, therefore, whether intentionally or not, offensively, uh, you know, they were they were keeping, keeping some things back and bringing them out to use. That all speaks to exactly what we're talking about, about the message that Dabo was sending to everyone, uh, most importantly his team, that these are the things a championship team does and these are the things a championship team um, responds to or responds with when they've come off a game in which they didn't play particularly well. And, uh, you know, hats off to Clemson. All right, let's listen to Coach Willie Taggart now as he met the media following Florida State's defeat. Clemson wins it 45-14 to over Florida State. Here's Coach Taggart. Disappointing loss. Um, thought we had a good week of practice, had a good game plan, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't play the way we, we wanted to, the way we thought we should and would play. Uh, we lost to a really good football team. Clemson is a really good football team and like I told you guys earlier in the week we had to play our best in order to beat them and we didn't. So uh, disappointing like I told our guys afterwards, you know, I love the way they fought through the game. Uh, we can't let this one game uh, 
play like this one game, cause us to lose two games. So we got to get back to work. And I know they will. I know they'll fight back and, and get back next week. Do you have any concerns about lingering effects from this game that it has carryover going forward, or do you think this team's mentally mature enough to handle it? I think they're mentally enough, um, they're mature enough to uh, get past it, and, and they will. They have to. Coach, obviously the season's only halfway over. I guess how do you move forward from this and make sure you salvage the rest of the season? Uh, get back to work and find a way to win a ball game this week. What, what do you sort of attribute the mistakes, the, the not playing winning football to this week? Uh, I mean, we just didn't make the plays. We didn't execute. You know, we turned the ball over. I told you all before, we can't turn the ball over and expect to win. You know, and um, we gave up some explosive plays there. We can't do that. You know, so we just didn't play well. We didn't execute at all. Before the week, Dabo said that he thought that this team, that you guys were the most talented team they were going to play all so far they played. I mean, do you see an equal sort of matchup with you guys with Clemson out there today, or did it feel? No, I think we, we have a talent. Again, we can't even if you had a talent, you still can't turn the ball over four times and expect to win against a team like Clemson. They're a really good football team, and, and you got to take care of the ball, and, and you got to be better on third down and, stay, and keep the ball. Coach, you had uh, two quarterbacks throughout the game. What did you see from both of them? Um, we didn't play as well as we had been, either one of them. We got to get better. We got to uh, uh, run our offense. We got to execute it with efficiency. And, uh, we didn't do that. And from the offensive line, what were you able to see from them tonight? Uh, I think from the offensive in general, we didn't do enough. You know, everybody on that side of the ball, we didn't do enough to win the ball game. The defense had really improved each of the last three games, and obviously Clemson's going to be a tougher test than a lot of the ones you faced. Just how, how do you kind of evaluate early how you thought they did? Well, I thought uh, the, the first half we came out in really the first quarter, and we didn't really come out with the same passion and energy that we did weeks before, you know, but I thought our defense set it down, you know, um, after a while and started to play a lot better. And uh, unfortunately, we got so far behind and didn't have any help from the offense. Do you feel there was any, maybe too much pressure on the guys to try to play good against the defending national champs? I wouldn't call it pressure. I mean, it was just trying to win. You know, we were trying to win. And again, we knew we had to play our best in order to win, and we didn't play our best. What do you see different from Kalen today? Uh, he did a great job running, you know, but I, I think that started in this week of practice. He had a great week of practice, probably the best week of practice, and, and it paid off for him in the game. Do you have an early diagnosis on Keyshawn? Uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, Keyshawn hurt his knee, and uh, he'll probably be out for the season. Is the offensive line, is the improvement slowing down for them, or is it just a really tough test today? No, I just didn't think we didn't execute. Again, um, offensive line didn't cause us to throw interceptions. You know, we didn't execute um, as an offense uh, well enough to go. I wouldn't say it was just the offensive line. It was everybody in general. We didn't do enough. Coach, we are seeing teams have consistent success running the ball off the tackle. What do you attribute this to, and what can you do systematically to address? Say again, I'm sorry. Um, we're seeing teams have consistent success running the ball off tackle. What do you attribute this to, and what Stopping the run. I, mean, I thought Clemson early in the game they ran outside zone a couple times in passes. But um, after that, like I said, our defense regrouped and that didn't happen anymore. Some of those plays that Alex had with that first drive were a little bit more of a sort of exotic variety, seems like some misdirection stuff. And were those plays you just felt he was better to, to handle, to execute? Uh, I wouldn't say it was mixed direction anything. We just motioned the guy by and hand the ball off to the to the halfback. You know, um, it wasn't anything where he was good at it or James was good at it. It was just a run play that we had with, with a jet sweep motion.
Not a lot to say on that, except that, and we'll develop this theme, Keith, you can't let what happened on Saturday define the rest of your season. Last year, it really felt like after the first quarter of the Clemson game, everything was straight downhill, including the rest of that football game and the rest of the year. It doesn't appear this team is headed that way based on the fact that they did fight for four quarters. You've got to make sure you protect against allowing this loss. We talk about allowing a loss to become a second loss. Uh, in, the, in the case of this team, because of what happened last year where that Clemson loss became three or four other losses, you've got to refocus, you've got to regroup, uh, you've got to make sure you double down on your effort and your thought process because uh, you, you're going up against a Wake Forest team, though they lost to Louisville, um, you know, they put up 59 points. Uh, so they can score. Uh, Louisville, not the best defensive uh, club in the, in the country, obviously. But, but 59 points against anybody is a lot of points. You're playing them at their place. Uh, that's their first uh, loss of the year. Uh, you know, their, their crowd will be out just like the Clemson crowd was, uh, crowd was out. If you're not careful, you let it get away from you, and you're exactly right. You've got to make sure you stay focused throughout the week. Learn and, and pay attention to the good things. There were some against Clemson, but get ready for the Demon Deacons and don't let one loss become two. Coach Taggart always talks about the 24-hour rule. He might want to shorten that up a little bit. It might need to be a 12-hour rule, and then you flush it. And by the time uh, by the time you're listening to the show, this that needs to be flushed, and you need to be moving on. All right, we'll move on with the show and uh, continue right after this on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back. Front Row Knowles' First Look. Tom and KJ with you. Florida State Falls and falls hard, 45-14 to Clemson. Uh, We always uh, break this up. We're going to talk offense this segment. Not an awful lot to talk about there, Keith, except to say that Florida State, we knew they were going to have trouble blocking Clemson. They did. Uh, I was not surprised that the quarterback struggled. I was struggled. Uh, I was surprised at the degree to which they struggled. Uh, Horner Brooks' first pass was an interception. Blackman missed all nights, especially on the run, and both guys were flushed out of the pocket a lot. Uh, incredibly inaccurate. There just was not a good day for the quarterbacks. Uh, you could say that they regressed, and and I don't know what quite what to make of that. You know, you you go into the NC State game, and you know that Blackman has tweaked his knee. Uh, He did that on Thursday or Friday, according to Coach uh, Taggart, prior to the game. So whether, you know, wasn't announced to the public, wasn't announced to the media, but, you know, the the staff knows that you're going to start Hornibrook, and, and Blackman essentially is only available in an emergency. So Hornibrook's only got 24 hours, plus or minus, to know he's the starter. Uh, and he goes in and he performs very well. And then you revert back to appropriately that if Blackman is, you know, is not hurt, then he, he becomes your starter. 
and you got two weeks to prepare for you know the number two team in the country and they said all along that both would play uh, and and there wasn't a set routine they would go with the hot hand and I, I think they kind of overdid it somehow Tommy I think you know, we saw Blackman, and then we saw Hornerbrook, and then we saw Blackman, and then we saw Hornerbrook, and then we saw Blackman again, and then we saw Hornerbrook again. And I think that that just kept either one of them from getting any rhythm. Obviously, they were not playing well individually and, and collectively as, as the duo, uh, but I don't know quite what to make of that. It just seems like instead of moving forward, they both moved back, and, and that, that is worrisome. Uh, that's troubling to me. Uh, you know, neither one played well, and you would you would have thought one of them, if not both of them, would have had the opportunity with two weeks to prepare, would have shown a little better. Well, the reality is it, it, it figures that it probably was not going to be that easy, that you're going to have one who struggles and the next guy who goes in is lights out. I think the reality is, and we're starting to see a more of a sample size on Alex Hornibrook, uh, in, in terms of the productivity of the offense or how much it moves, it, it, it looks kind of equal between both of them if you measured their drives that they've had now the numbers uh, on saturday blackman was 9 to 23 for 66 yards with two picks hornerbrook was 8 of 12 for 84 yards and one pick but bear in mind 64 of those yards came on one pass to tamari and terry there just was not a lot of upside there and it, it goes back to take it off the quarterbacks if you can't run the football everything's a challenge and florida state couldn't run the football well, and you go back and say, well, why didn't you run Cam more? Why didn't you run LeBorn more? Well, because of that offensive line. Now, uh, there were a couple, at least a couple of series that I saw. You'd have to go back and look at the play count and the uh, drive charts to know for sure. But uh, you did get Jawan Williams back at left tackle. I know that Coleman shoe dressed for the game. I don't think he saw he did, any action. He did, play he, did he did get in. Okay, good. Uh, so that that gives you a little uh, more um, some bodies to work with. But that that Clemson their their defensive tackles and their defensive ends. We talked about it, and you called uh, three quarters of the game with Gene having to to head to London. You know, their their two inside tackles, Clemson's two inside tackles, are probably not as good as the two that are playing on Sunday now. But their defensive ends are probably just as good and, and are a little younger, still have some time to play. And and they just dominated Florida State's offensive line. That You know, they didn't have eight sacks like NC State did last week. I think they only recorded three officially. But they were they were making Hornerbrook and they were making Blackman move and get out of the pocket and get off of their stance. And as you mentioned, James did not throw the ball well on the run. Uh, both of them missed some big passes. Uh, we talked about the, the interception that Hornerbrook threw. He basically just threw it behind a receiver. If he had led the receiver, it was a touchdown. He just he just didn't. And then uh, later on, Blackman had uh, Akers up the sideline wide open. And if he just laid the ball in, much like Tamori and Terry in the Virginia game, and for whatever reason he overthrew again, Blackman was running on that one, was running for his life, so it would have been a difficult throw. I'm not suggesting that either of those passes, if they'd gone for touchdowns, would have changed the outcome of the game, but it would have made it a little more respectable. And, you know, we said going in, the one thing I was worried about was was the optics. Did Florida State look like they belonged there? Even if they lost the ball game, did they look like they, they could hold their own for a while? Did they look like they were coming back? Did they look like they had making progress? And I think you'd have to say they took a step back uh, against Clemson and didn't move forward. Clemson can make a lot of folks look that way. I, I can't disagree with that. But what I hear you saying is 
maybe it's time to play one quarterback and just decide. And, and obviously, I, you know, if you get into a game and whoever the quarterback is goes 10 straight series and it's all three and out, well, then you play the other guy. But you go into the week saying, okay, this is our quarterback. We've seen enough. It's going to be Blackman's ball this week or whoever it is against Wake Forest. That's certainly an option. And, and the, way, the way you did it in Clemson didn't work, apparently, duh. So do it differently, however you do it. Uh, and I know it's difficult, and I know that the, the coaches are just scratching their heads because I'm sure uh, both James and Alex uh, performed well uh, during practice. But, you know, during practice, most of the time you're not even going up against the defense, and certainly when you are, they're not breathing down your throat like Clemson's front would be. Um, it's just a difficult situation, and it's going to take some some patience, and it's going to take some um, – uh, coddling's not the right word, but you're going to have to be very encouraging to both of these quarterbacks uh, to keep them in the mix and to keep their spirits up, uh, given how you've now played both of them and neither one of them played well. Now what do you do? You've got to find some way to address that. Three interceptions, a fumble by Cam Akers, and so Florida State had gone three straight games without turning the football over, turn it over four times against Clemson. That's that's not a recipe to get it done. Uh Injury to insult, if you will, the reverse of the way that phrase is normally uttered is that Keyshawn Helton is now uh, out for the year. No, what, what was the update? I did not hear the update on that. He said it was a knee and he's out for the year. Well, that basically says it. And when you go back and look at the tape, what's most frustrating about it is it was James Blackman that hit him. It was on an interception, and uh, James was trying to make a play to get in there and make a play on the on the person that had intercepted it and kind of got shoved just a little, and he's actually the one that, for the most part, ended up hitting his own teammate, and that, that just adds insult to injury. Really does, and so without him, it'll be more of Treshawn Harrison and D.J. Matthews the rest of their year. We saw Treshawn Harrison go back to return kicks, and there were a lot of kicks to return. He was back there with Keith Gavin. Uh, you know, other things that stick out, well, this is certainly one. And, and Cam Akers and the running tech we talked about a little bit. We'll get to Kalen in a minute. Cam had, had nine touches in the football game, which is the same amount that Tommy Martin, the punter, had. And that's just not going to get it done. That, that is a recipe for losing. That's a recipe by not for not covering the spread even, uh, which unfortunately Florida State did not do. Uh, you know, I think a criticism, and I don't know how you would do it, uh, you know, but sometimes you got to put blinders on. You know, Cam's got to get his hands on the ball 15 or 20 times a ball game. So if you're not going to hand it off to him, we did see him move out to the slot. As mentioned earlier, he was uh, breaking down the sidelines on that one pass that Blackman missed him. If, if you're not going to hand the ball to him, then find a way to get the ball to him with some screens, some flares, or run him in the slot position. But you can't win ball games with Cam Akers touching the ball nine times. It looked to me like in the second half that was part of their halftime talk. I don't have the play sheet in front of me. But I feel like the first series, they gave it to him two out of the three plays, or, or maybe one was a throw. Maybe it was the throw they missed. That might have been in the second quarter. Then he did hit that 15-yarder, but he fumbled. And, and then after that, the game sort of got away, and we saw him come back briefly. But Kalen Laburn got a chance there. And we did see that Kalen, when, he, when he's in the open field, he can make some things happen. So we continue to have the same cry, and it's easier said than done. Find a way to get Kalen the ball in space uh, if you can, whether you're throwing it to him, whether you're lining him up in a different spot, because he can make some guys miss. He certainly is dynamic with the ball. Uh, the criticism when you hand the ball off to him is he has a tendency to go east-west too much. 
but he's getting better at it, and he's shown that the, he, he can uh, pick up the blitz. Uh, his pass pro is really his Achilles heel and why he hadn't seen as much playing time as maybe uh, folks thought he should. Uh, but you've got to find a way to get that running game back and get it going because this Bryles offense is really predicated on running the ball and then letting the pass complement it while you're doing it in up-tempo. And Florida State has just not been hitting on any eight, six, or even four cylinders in the running game. One thing I thought we might see, and we really didn't, I thought we might see Blackman try to run it a little bit more, do something with him. I know Horner Brooks not fleet of foot, not really the answer there. And it's not that Blackman's a running quarterback, but uh, we'll continue to say that's something that doesn't exist right now for this offense. Uh, Jordan Travis could probably do it, but he's not the guy playing. And, and I thought uh, we might see more of that. Uh, agreed. Uh, I think they're probably still cautious about Blackman because of that knee. Uh, but he did run the ball a couple of times early. But then, you know, when, when the score gets the way it is, you kind of get away from your game plan. No question. And, and, and uh, the tight end, Trey McKitty, had a nice catch on a well-designed play. I'd like to see more of, uh, more of Trey, too, because – he, you know, he may be playing about as well as anybody on offense uh, when you talk about his blocking and what he brings to the game. He's certainly a weapon, and uh, you need to find more and creative ways to get the ball to him. They ran the shuttle pass, as you mentioned, uh, got the ball, I think, through the air maybe once or twice, but he needs to be targeted more often. Florida State falls in this one 45-14. That's about all we can say on the offensive side of the coin. Uh, we'll uh, flip over to defense. Or do you need to do some business first? Flip over to you. We need to do business first. Okay, let's do business. Remind you that Cornerstone Tool and Fastener is your location for all your tool needs. It's where all the pros and do-it-yourself workers shop. Big box pricing with local service. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Tallahassee location open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. until noon. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. More Front Row Knowles first look after this. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Tom and KJ back on Front Row Knowles First Look. Florida State falls to Clemson 45-14. Let's talk uh, defense. We we talked about the first drive of the game, Keith. And, uh, again, I, you know, Florida State has some talent on defense. Uh, doesn't have enough of it probably. The, the one thing I would say that's similar to the last couple weeks is it, it felt like guys were – in position, but they were outclassed or outmatched and didn't make necessarily all the plays. And then the game just got away in a hurry. And the next thing you know, it's 28 nothing at the half. We got to credit Clemson and uh, Jeff Scott uh, as uh, the co-offensive coordinator. Uh, they had put together a game plan that was going to be very, very, very aggressive. Uh, you know, they're, they, they're, they're, the numbers that Trevor put up are very pedestrian. He was 17 of 25 for 170 yards. But he threw for three touchdowns and ran for another. So as an offense, they were very, very efficient. Uh, Etienne got 127 on the ground total on 17 carries. Uh, I, I was impressed with the way the offensive line for Clemson was able to match pretty strongly uh, with Florida State's defensive front. Now, uh, I haven't looked at the, the actual box scores on tackles for loss and that type of thing. I think Florida State had... Uh, probably a handful, maybe as many as ten, you know. So, so Marvin and the and the boys made some plays. But if you look at the body of work, uh, this was as as handled that this front uh, has been for Florida State defensively. They were they were controlled 
by the the Clemson offensive line, and that's what made everything go. And and it it, it just didn't look hard. Now, obviously, Clemson dialed some things back, particularly in the second half. But you know, before the the pick six, you know, they'd scored five touchdowns, I think, on seven on six possessions, and and that's about as efficient as you can get uh, when you're when you're playing the way they are. They mix the run and the pass well. Unlike Florida State, we saw more of uh, Lawrence running from the quarterback position uh, and and running very effectively, not the least of which was his touchdown run. Uh, and they just did the right things. They, they always looked like they were in control, that the receivers were always making catches. Um, you know, it just looked like it wasn't hard for them. And I guess that was the most disheartening or discouraging thing. It didn't look difficult. How much of a factor was not having Janaris Robinson in that first half? I mean, he's a guy that, until the last couple of weeks, it, it feels like the light went on the last couple of weeks. And I bring this up because when he came back in the second half, uh, he had four tackles for loss himself, and he set the edge well. I say that, but a lot of that may have been against the second team for Clemson, and that's what's hard to measure to me. Uh, but clearly he's a starter, and it would have been better to have him than not have him. I agree. Uh, and he did play well in the second half. The other uh, thing that I I just don't know is we didn't see Levanta Taylor uh, very much on the defensive side of the ball. And he's a senior. Uh, he's someone that's been around for a while, uh, had a good fall camp, and you know some things were expected of him. And and he was a no-show from that standpoint. Um, you know, but again, I think it goes back to. The, the offensive line of Clemson being able to handle Florida State's defensive front and therefore never putting uh, uh, Trevor in the position where he was really scrambling hard for his life. They did get some pressure for on him, and he did get, have to work out of the pocket some. But again, it just didn't look difficult uh, for Clemson, and, and, and that's kind of discouraging, as I mentioned pr- previously, disheartening. Uh, it, it just didn't look hard. Well, in the first half, or when Lawrence was in there, I don't know what they averaged on first down, but it feels like about seven or eight yards. I mean, it was second and call whatever you want for most of the game for Clemson. I feel like we haven't seen Florida State be as aggressive, and I know it's Lawrence, and maybe that's part of the reason you don't want to blitz. You know, the season started, and it was a freshman quarterback for Boise, and Florida State was bringing pressure from every which way, and they hit that kid a ton. And we've not seen that same level of pressure since then. Am I right? Well, I don't know if it's certainly not the same level, but FSU did bring pressure uh, against Clemson. There were some corner blitzes. There were some linebackers off the edges. Uh, the thing that, that Clemson was able to do that Boise didn't do a good job of is Lawrence was able to go to a hot receiver, and, and sometimes they were actually calling the running play to the side where the corner blitz is coming from. So they were running right at it and running right through it. So I think it was a combination of some hot reads by, by Lawrence as well as some good play calling right into the teeth of what FSU was trying to accomplish. And, and you know, it, did, it didn't work particularly well. They were able to take advantage. When Florida State was aggressive, they were able to take advantage of the aggressiveness and not allow the aggressiveness to take advantage of them. One of the times that Lawrence was out of the pocket, Florida State did force a turnover. Uh, Hampson Azraldine with a nice pick right on the sideline. And, and a, a pass that I'm sure when, when Lawrence goes back and looks at it, you know, just throw the ball up in the stands or step out. That was not a throw. That was a, that was a quarterback who was making his 
by my count, his 16th start, you know, and, and, and it showed. That was a ball he should have never let go of. Yeah, I agree. Hamza, happy to be the recipient on the other side. He played well, made a lot of tackles. Looking at this, Asante Samuels had eight tackles. Leonard Warner with eight. Amari Gaynor with eight. Brendan Gant got a lot of run uh, in the game as well. He finished with six tackles. What else are we missing on the defensive side of the ball, KJ? Cyrus Fagan went down with an injury early on. I think he's going to be all right, but uh, obviously he didn't play a lot against Clemson. Uh, and that you know that injury bug, you know, with Sweat gone and Lars uh, gone, you know, FSU is beginning to miss people, and, and uh, on on the defensive you, side. You don't mean Sweat, you mean Kando. Kando, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to get the boys on Sunday coming back and playing. Yeah, right we could use him. Where's Brian Burns? Where is he? We can. Can we get him back? Let's try. <laughs> uh, apologies, but but uh, regardless, you're now halfway through the year. Uh, you're sitting at three and three. Uh, I had us at 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 five and one at this point in the season, in my thought process. So you're a couple of games behind what uh, Jones thought. Uh, you're halfway through the season, but you still have a lot to work for. And back to what we were discussing in the first segment, are you going to let this loss put you in a tailspin? Are you going to take advantage of the opportunity that presents itself in that, at least for the next five games, you're playing people that you should be not favored always, but certainly people you can beat. And then, you know, do your best, wait for the Florida game, and then hopefully get yourself into a bowl. That would be an improvement. That would be a mark up, and, and that needs to be done. That's our next segment that we're going to talk about right there. Is there anything else we need to clean up on the defensive side of the football? You know, again, I thought Florida State uh, tackled well. Uh, you know, I, again, I continue to be disappointed, uh, and for the third time now we're talking about it, but the, the first play of the ball game, you know, you you got a, you got a DB that's in position. You just got to make a play. You saw a couple of times on the reverse when Clemson's DBs were in positions and they made plays. And, and that's the next hurdle, for at least from the back end, that you've got to get over. Uh, you've got to continue to work on your linebacker play. I think Amari being in there has been a big help. And then, you know, continue to rely on that front. I know Clemson's offensive line is really, really good, but Florida State's defensive front is really, really good as well. Uh, and, and there were times when they made some plays, uh, but this is probably as, um, as neutralized as they've been all year long in terms of, of what they've been able to accomplish to help that defensive unit, obviously talking about Florida State's front. The total number is not pretty for a defense that had gotten better against the run. Clemson rushed for 320 yards, had 552 total yards on 91 plays in this game. Uh, five of seven in the red zone. They bogged down at the end of the second quarter. That was the one time in the game it felt like Florida State, and maybe some of it was just Clemson stubbing its toe, but uh, maybe things were starting to turn a little bit. But at that time, it was already 28-zip. Clemson 5 of 16 on, on third downs, and they, they had the ball for 39 minutes. I mean, the first quarter alone was 11 minutes to four. That's tough to overcome. It's just horrible to try to overcome that. But again, let's point to some positives. In that second quarter, when Florida State could have folded the tent, you know, they did get a couple of stops. They kept uh, Clemson out of the end zone a couple of different times. Uh, they were not able to take advantage of it offensively, but the defense rose its head and, 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 and asserted itself. Uh, at the end of the ballgame, the offense scored a couple of times that, uh, you know, whether you're going to get second teamers or not, you know, like we've mentioned last year in this game, Florida State quit after halftime. 
They did not quit in this ball game. Yeah, it's a bad loss from a, st- a statistical t- standpoint. It's a bad loss from a number standpoint. But the effort was there. They were just outmatched. This is a better team. There have been times when Florida State that Gene pointed out uh, when we were talking uh, right before he left, and he goes, you know, Jonesy, you know, we beat these guys 11 times in a row at one point. Florida State had beaten Clemson 11 consecutive seasons. Um, this is a good Clemson team, and, and Florida State's now lost to them four in a row. Five in a row, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah, I hate to have to correct you on that, but that's where we are. All right, we're out of time in this segment. We'll come back. We will turn the page, uh, clean things up, finish things up, talk about the matchup with Wake Forest as we continue on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' First Look, Tom and KJ with you. We'll look ahead to Wake Forest. Uh, I guess one more look back at uh, Clemson or just for a couple of minutes, Keith. Uh, not a lot to choose from when you talk about the performance of the game, so uh, I'm thinking it's going one of two directions, but uh, the suspense is killing me, so do take it away. It is time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. We're going to highlight Tamarian Terry's 64-yard touchdown reception uh, on a pass. It was a little short route over the middle from uh, Alex Hornibrook. Uh, Alex kind of threw the ball behind him, which forced Terry to kind of plant, but he did a, a 270 to the left. Uh, would that be clockwise? That'd be counterclockwise, and just outraced everyone to the end zone for a 64-yard touchdown catch and run. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want to bank where they greet you by name, smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? Well, that's what I call great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC offices in Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. The cookies are good, by the way. I, I can vouch for them. The coffee is as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, the only other thing I can think of that we haven't mentioned, and we didn't see a field goal attempt, so we don't really know the answer to that question, except that Ricky Aguayo did attempt the PATs. So perhaps he's still the number one kicker. And and was listed on the flip card uh, with not without an or after his name, which meant he was first team and uh, watch his face a second. Uh, you know, I, I Parker Grothouse. Let's let's give him respect. I know he's a walk on. He's a freshman. I'm not supposed to know him. Anyway, you know, I was never worried about this game coming down to a kick anyway. Uh, but uh, you know, it's just kind of emblematic or or representative of what Florida State is and where we're at right now. You've got a great talent in Aguayo that that just hasn't performed well this year. Uh, we saw on the on the 64-yard touchdown reception by Terry, uh, great physical skills. Uh, we've seen, you know, with Hornerbrook not playing well, still consp- uh, completing 67, 68 percent of his passes. Uh, you still see the effort from Cam Akers, you know, whether he's picking up two yards or picking up 12 yards. Yes, the fumble was uh, a little bit troubling. But you go back and look at the play, he was actually airborne when he got hit uh, because of the way he'd been tripped up. Still got to hang on to the ball. I get that. But uh, he's not known to be uh, one that turns the ball over. Um, You know, it all goes back to Florida State having to get some better continuity with their offensive front. Everything starts there. Offensively, they've got to get a running game going uh, because that's what breeds and, and makes the passing attack and the Bryles offense work. Um, you know, when you look at the score, uh, you know, and it's cliche-ish, but the, 
the Louisville Wake score looked just like a basketball score when I first pulled it up, 62-59. Uh, you know Wake can score some points. You know prior to that loss they were undefeated uh, six in a row, which I think was they haven't done in 30 years probably. Uh, it's going to be at home. It's going to be at night. And I know that uh, their field and their stadium's not huge, but, you know, they, they, they love their Demon Deacons, and they're going to be there to support them. Uh, they know that they can put some points up, and they know that Florida State gave up some points last time out, so they're going to be looking for some fireworks. And FSU just better be ready when they get up there. Or as we've said, you let a, a loss to Clemson kind of become another loss if you don't uh, flush it out of your system quick enough. It's a halfway point in the season, Keith. Three and three. You mentioned earlier you thought FSU'd be five and one. I had them four and two right now. It's still the Boise game that's that's got me. Uh, but the next several games, and you you alluded to this, they're all they're all winnable. Uh, I mean, I think you'd look at the there's six games left, and five of them are games Florida State has a legitimate chance to 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 win. The game at the end of the year at Florida. That looks tougher every time Trask plays a little bit better, and I know Florida lost uh, against a very good LSU team. But you're talking about, uh, and we'll get back to Wake Forest here, but after that you've got Syracuse. Syracuse looked atrocious and abysmal getting uh, thrashed by NC State on Thursday. Then you've got Miami. Now Miami looked better this past week. They did beat a Virginia team that that Florida State lost to, but uh, regardless of whether Miami's playing well or Florida State's playing well or bad or whatever, that game is going to be a rivalry game. you got them at home. you got a chance to win that. You got Boston College in there. Uh, that's a game that that you've got a chance to win up there. BC is struggling. You got Alabama State. So, uh, I mean, you just got to go out and compete and fight. And it starts against Wake Forest this week. And and, and you've got to be mature enough to have that mindset. Uh, and obviously, this continues. This is a a very young Florida State team. They've not had success. We talked early in the year about learning how to win. Then we started talking about learning how to score points in the third quarter. And then we started talking about how to finish the game. Well, they've made progress in all of those areas, but it's still a young team. Uh, you, you are now seeing the injury bug start to raise its head and be of concern. Uh, I think it goes back to the coaching staff has got to be very, very careful and very, very uh, 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 single-minded in terms of continuing to push and demand excellence, uh, no turnovers, no pre-snap penalties, no foolish penalties. Uh, continue to, to do your job and be countable and, and, and accountable to do your job and, and keep, keep uh, focusing on those fundamentals because this is not a team that, that has so much talent that they can't be fundamentally sound, and it's a team that's young that still needs to taught, be taught how to be fundamentally sound. So there's a lot to play for, but there's a lot of work ahead. And, and mixing and balancing those two, uh, you know, Coach Taggart and his staff, you know, they've got their task uh, set for them. And, and it's just going to be interesting to see how they respond, how the kids respond, and it all starts uh, Saturday night in Winston. Can I tell you something that's going to be a challenge at the Wake Forest, at Wake Forest that may sound silly, but I really think it always is? It's going to be magnified coming off of Clemson. Clemson's a, a, a tremendous college football environment, huge stadium, 80,000 people. And you go to Wake Forest, and they've done a tremendous job, and they've redone their stadium, and the press box is great. But at the end of the day, it seats 30,000, and it just feels smaller time. And I'm not disrespecting Wake Forest, and I'm just saying that 
from a player's point of view, you have to block that out and play because the Wake Forest football team can play football. But I guarantee you, every time FSU gets there, it just feels that way. We talked about the noise, or we've talked about the noise in the past at Clemson. And I, and I made the comment, and, and, and Coach Taggart even mentioned it in his pregame show, the noise is, is difficult for communication. But the noise makes the mind wander. And keeping focus with that with that oppressive noise is very, very difficult. Well, what you're saying is the reverse. Sometimes at Wake Forest, it is very, very quiet. And it's almost like a practice or almost like a high school game. And you've got to guard against letting yourself get sucked into that, that this isn't the big time. Well, no, it's not. But it's still a very important ball game. And secondly... I don't care who the coach is at Wake Forest. That team will fight you the entire 60 minutes. Uh, They are not going to back down. They are not going to be intimidated. They weren't intimidated by Florida State in 13. You know, they played hard against Jameis and company. Uh, They'll hit you. They'll be fundamentally sound. You're not going to make that. They're not going to make mistakes that beat themselves. They're going to force you to execute. If you don't execute, they'll take advantage of your mistakes. And it's, you know, it's not a trap game because Florida State didn't win, doesn't meet the definition. But it's a game that if you don't go in prepared and you don't give effort, you can walk out of Winston-Salem a loser. Wake Forest lost for the first time this uh, past week against Louisville in that basketball-type score. Now, Florida State beat Louisville. Uh, so that's another reason for, for optimism and hope. But I think it's twofold. You can look at it and say, um, well, look how many points Louisville put up on them. But then you can also say, look at how many points Wake put up on Louisville. Uh, so it, it's going to take 60 minutes of football. And I think our fans need to get past that, too. There's always been a Wake Forest stigma. I mean, you can go back to the 06 game, and Wake Forest had that run where Florida State struggled. And it, it goes back to the, the feeling of smaller time. Wake is a small institution. But you just got to realize this is where we are right now. The, the game of college football has changed. If I told you that you need to be happy with a defense that gives up 25 points a ball game, if you followed college for the last 40 years like I have, you'd go, that's crazy. You can't have a successful season giving up 25 points a ball game. Well, well welcome to 2019 because you're probably going to give up 20 to 22 to 25 points a ball game, and you might still have a defense that you would consider good. Uh, you're not going to see the times where, where defenses hold people down. Uh, it, it just doesn't exist in today's environment. And, and the Wake Forest that you remember from 10 or 15 or 25 years ago is not the Wake Forest team that Florida State's going to play in 2019 either. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I loved Jim Grobe when he was there. I thought he did a great job. I like their current coach, too. He's, he's really got them well coached. they got a dynamic quarterback. They're putting the ball all over the place. And uh, it, it will be a challenge for Florida State uh, this week and going forward. But it, it goes back to where we started, Keith. Last year against Clemson, it felt like somewhere at the start, between the second, start of the second quarter and the end of that game against Clemson, Florida State found the off switch and, and flipped it down. And, and things went off the rails that game, and, and really they never got them back on the rails. Uh, it, it just became a season that snowballed the wrong direction. Well, this is the chance right now, one year later, to not let that happen. They didn't let it happen against Clemson despite the score. They didn't quit. Uh, if they don't quit, they will come out of these games okay. Very much so. And if they don't quit and they'll listen to the coaches and if they'll redouble their efforts uh, relative to teamwork, 
I'll do my job because I can count on you to do your job, then they can approach this next series of games and be successful. If, if they tuck their tails, if they start turning on each other, they start pointing fingers, uh, then this will get away from them just like last year. Well, we're going to get away for now because we are out of time, but we will uh, be back on Wednesday night at 6 at 6. As always, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles First Look.